BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. You walk into a restaurant. You sit down, you get your water, you get your food. It's amazing. You finish up and your waiter hands you the check. And when you get up to leave, someone you hadn't seen previously walks over to your table from the back of the restaurant to clean up after you. A study found that in the Bay Area, that person is more likely to be black or brown than they are to be white. Oakland's trying to incentivize restaurant owners to fix racial equity issues at their shops. I think that if we lived in an ideal world, people would see we are not hiring equitably and our restaurant is segregated. To get restaurant owners to clean up their acts, the city is appealing to the restaurant's pocketbooks. But why does it take financial incentive to do the right thing? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Welcome to The Bay. When you go into a restaurant, what do you see? I think that I see a lot of white servers and I see a lot of workers of color in the kitchen. Kate Wolf is a reporter for KQED. At the end of your meal, you feel a little guilty because you're like, wait, I want to tip that person. Exactly. And they're not the person that you're actually interacting with. And the study that came out really put what we see into numbers. The study Kate's talking about was done by these groups called Race Forward and Restaurant Opportunity Centers United. The report released last week showed that in California, 35% of white restaurant workers make livable wages. That's compared to just 18% of workers of color. The report defines a livable wage as earning four times the poverty level or more. Wages have gone up in the Bay Area, and we have a lot more livable wage jobs, but we haven't been paying attention to equity. And this is compounded with stuff that we're seeing in the Bay, right? Gentrification, displacement, housing issues. And so we're getting this enormous gap between white workers and workers of color. Okay, my name is Joel Leon. Kate talked to some restaurant owners who work in back-of-the-house jobs. Those are your cooks and kitchen staff, workers who you typically don't see when you're out eating. I, I'm, I'm just going to be straight up. I have been denied a lot of times um, by restaurants um, for server positions. He 
is in his early 20s and he's Mexican-American. He has served in the past as an assistant manager at a fast food restaurant. Being an assistant manager at a fast food restaurant it only gets you so far. And being in a manager, a GM at a fast food restaurant gets you only so far as well. Hearing about, you know, getting paid tips, you know, being a server, you know, like the potential that that can hold. He wanted to get into kind of casual dining, being a server. He told me he applied for about over 20 server jobs and only got called back for an interview for about half of them. And they've always offered me back of house positions, uh, such as dishwasher or busser. And I've always seen them also favor, you know, people of lighter skin uh, or white people, you know. Workers of color make up more than 70 percent of California's restaurant workforce. Yet the report says those jobs are mostly concentrated at the back of the house in lower wage jobs. The report points to implicit bias. Being able to have numbers behind implicit bias is a really powerful thing, right? We can prove, actually, you might not have been intending to be discriminatory, but unconsciously, subconsciously, you have this bias. Right. And the result is the people of color are in the back of your restaurant and the white people are in the front. But it also has to do with people of color didn't feel like they should apply to be servers or they should apply to be bartenders because they didn't see themselves already in the front of house positions. Mm So I have to say that this doesn't actually surprise me. Um, it's definitely something that I notice, um, that the brown people that I see working in a restaurant are usually in the back. They're the ones, um, you know, washing the dishes and not the ones handing me the check. So what do we know as a result of this study that we didn't know before? And, and why does it matter? Now that we have some concrete evidence to back up the anecdotal stuff that I think a lot of us know, Mm. we can start to implement change. The ROC United Group has been working with a couple of Bay Area restaurants on a pilot program to address this wage gap. One of these restaurants is Homeroom in Oakland. Homeroom is in the Temescal area. On the surface, it could be seen as a sign of gentrification. It's this gourmet mac and cheese place, and it's trendy and hip, and it's bringing people to the area, right? The group looked into Homeroom's hiring practices and conducted equity trainings to get the restaurant to do a better job at reflecting the community it serves. And they did kind of a real hard look at um, what they were doing and what their staff looked like. And they saw that they were really underrepresented in black African-American workers at the restaurant, both in the front of house and in the back of house. And this is something that Aaron Wade, who's the founder and the head chef, told me. They were just underrepresented compared to um, the numbers in Oakland. And, you know, Oakland's a historically black city, so that seemed like a pretty huge issue that we wanted to to correct because we really want our restaurant to look like our city, you know, so that everyone who lives in our city feels like they come to homeroom and they see themselves represented there. She compared it to the diversity problem that we see in the tech industry. We see neither industries really making significant moves to really change things. When I see those interviews with things like, you know, tech companies being like, oh, we're not getting the applicants, I feel like 
neither were we. So <laughs> if we can do it, so can you. And I think that there's just a lot of lessons that can be learned across multiple industries. They underwent this racial equity program and they were able to increase their black workforce in both front of house and in back of house. We were, you know, posting on honestly all the sort of major sites that you would find most restaurants posting to and just weren't getting the applicants. So we realized that that sort of traditional approach wasn't going to work. And so we decided to partner with a few different organizations that where their numbers were the opposite. They just have um, an overabundance of um, black and African-American applicants. So uh, our theory was we know that we're a really awesome place to work. And if we could get some folks in the door, then they would refer friends and family and they would also stay. So now that the problem is quantified and now that we know that the Bay has some of the biggest wage gaps between white and POC restaurant workers, um, what are city leaders uh, proposing that we do in order to fix this? So city leaders have teamed up with ROC United and they have created three policy incentives to go through a racial equity transformation process, essentially. If you go through this equity training program where you change up how you do your hiring, your training, how you promote, how you recruit for your jobs, then you could be eligible for these incentives. So the three policy recommendations are recognition, licensing, and tax incentives. Recognition is about getting hype and promotion for your restaurant. That could be a decal on the window or your name on a city site. Licensing, that's about um, fast-tracking your permits and licensing process and maybe making it cheaper uh, to get that license from the city. And tax incentives, so the city will actually pay you to meet certain goals. So it's interesting to me that a lot of these incentives are, at the end of the day, tied to profitability. Like, there has to be money at stake. And it makes me wonder, like, why why can't restaurants just be equitable places for people of color? Right. I think that's a great point. And that licensing thing, too, right? I mean, it's a huge time and money suck to be applying for these licenses, to be applying for these permits, right? So if the city says, hey, we'll, we'll make it a little bit quicker if you prove that you're, you've got good values. The you equity know? fast track. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> right? So if you can prove that, we'll make, it, we'll make it a little quicker for you, right? That also comes down to money. Yeah. Like, for example, this idea of getting recognition is totally about, like, getting people to put their money where their values are. And in a city like Oakland, that's really important to people. Um, and that's very much tied to, to profits. That's just kind of crazy for me. It just it just makes me think like, wow, we can't we just like do the right thing? Definitely. I mean, I think that Oakland sees itself and the Bay Area sees itself as on the front line of change. And yet the Bay Area is also the place with this huge racial wage gap. It's kind of this paradox, right, that we're both supposed to be at the front of the lines and also we're where it's worse. When I lived in Portland, Oregon, I always saw Black Lives Matter signs on restaurant windows or signs that said all immigrants and refugees are welcome, that black and brown bodies are welcome. But I was always kind of skeptical, especially when I was like the only person of color in the room. 
Like, what did these signs really say about the ethos of the restaurant? And did I actually feel more welcome in a place where the only thing telling me I'm welcome is a sign? Thanks to Kate Wolf, who reported out this story. We want to hear from you. If you felt some type of way listening to this episode, share your thoughts. Tweet us at The Bay KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you Wednesday. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find the link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.